so good to be here, be in this nice, beautiful building. Just pray for me. (laughs) This is the first time I've ever done anything like this, so I've been excited. It's like, I'm up to the challenge. Well, today our topic is reflecting on the beauty of the Lord. And as I began to study for this special day and special occasion, I began to think about the topic and what does it mean to reflect. Now, when you look at the Merriam-Webster Dictionary online, there are two definitions that jumped out at me. There's oodles of definitions. The first one is to ponder or meditate. So I began to reflect on just a few of the things that God has done for me. He called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I was raised in a denominal church, knew nothing of the truth, but I wasn't happy. You know, there's something, and I don't know how many of you have been raised in another denomination, but you know that there's something deep inside that is saying, you know, there is more in God. And I was blind, and now I see. He brought me into the truth. I had a girlfriend in high school, and her dad was an apostolic pastor. And the Lord worked all that, and the rest is history. I'm the only apostolic in the family. Still witnessing to my family that won't talk to me. (laughs) The Trinity never made sense to me, so I was always searching, and I'm so glad that he saved me, and he filled me with the Holy Ghost. He called me to the mission field before I was even married, and uh, that's a story in of itself for another day. But have you ever heard someone get up and testify in every testimony service? It's about the same thing as if God has done nothing else for them. And we can look back and we can reflect on what God has done, but he doesn't want us to stay there. He doesn't want us to stay in the past. If Brother and Sister Pruitt would have stayed in the past, they would have just hung in the towel and said, the fire burned it up, we've lost a third of our congregation, there's no sense in going on. But they didn't. We need to learn to use that is a landmark, and move on in him. Move forward. Reflecting is a present participle expressing action, which leads me to the second definition and the definition that I am going to expound on today. Reflecting means to give back or show an image, to mirror or to imitate, if you please. Reflecting the beauty of the Lord means we mirror his image. We live in a world right now where everyone is obsessed with physical beauty and the evidence is all around us. If you have a hard time believing this, go type on your computer and Google beauty tips, beauty secrets. And I found 160 million Ranging everything from celebrity to natural to homemade or even beauty secrets from clear around the world. Last weekend, 
they had the annual Academy Awards ceremony. And it's one of the biggest ceremonies of the year, and it's one event where physical beauty is flaunted down the red carpet. Did you know that they had a one-hour special just for the red carpet prior to the ceremony? This was in our local paper. I don't know if you got it in yours. A whole paper insert in the paper that talked about the Oscar fashions. Photographers jostled for positions, hoping to catch the image of the beautiful people as they arrived. And those who are regarded as the best dressed or the most glamorous get as much attention, if not more, than the person that's getting the award. If you don't watch the ceremony like me, um, you can see the best dressed and the worst dressed when you get on your computer search engine the next day. Our culture idolizes in outward beauty and the people that embody it in our society. If you don't look if you don't believe me, just look when you go to the checkout counter the next time, how many glamour magazines are hanging on the magazine rack? You've got self-help beautification infomercials that often make unbelievable promises like lose twenty pounds in just two weeks. Or try this pre-packaged meal for a month and see the results you've always wanted. Just 10 minutes a day on our machine and you will have abs of steel. (laughs) Such fantastic makeover promises are almost certain to disappoint us. But we are so inspired in the moment that it's going to be different this time, so we buy into it. Most women spend an enormous amount of time in front of the mirror, making sure that their outward appearance is physically beautiful. Society dictates what is beauty and what beauty should be. We're determined to be the perfect height, the perfect shape, the perfect size, wear the latest designer clothes, buy the finest material things. But there is very little effort put into our spiritual grooming. Just think what the outcome might be if we spend as much time grooming our spirits and souls as we spend in the beauty and nail salons and shopping. Spiritual beauty comes from the one and only designer, the Almighty. So I ask you, How much time do you spend on your inward beauty? Spiritual grooming requires time alone to think, to pray, and to search our souls. It means taking inventory of your personal life and determining what's wrong and what's right in your life. Having a beautiful spirit surpasses physical beauty as your soul does not require acceptance from society, but assurance from God that you are one of his unique creations. Psalms 90 is known as the prayer of Moses. And in the first half of the verse 17, it reads, 
Let the beauty of the Lord be upon us. Now, this was a prayer that beauty of God's excellence would be given to his people and that divine beauty would shine in them, in their lives, in their faces, and in their souls. Think about the face of Moses when he came down from the mountain after his 40 days up there with God. In Exodus 34:30, it tells us the skin of Moses' face shone. Moses had been up there wrapped in God's divine glory so long that his very body was saturated with brightness. The most radiant beauty of all is spiritual beauty, and it's the in, inner tranquility that comes from a meek and submissive spirit resting at the Savior's feet. We must spend time with the beauty artist if we ever expect to become spiritually beautiful. Being a reflection of his glory is a direct result of spending time in his presence, embraced in his love and enveloped in his grace. Have you ever noticed how many couples that have been married a long time together start looking alike? This is true with God. You will begin to resemble him the more time you spend with him. Can 2 Corinthians 3.18 really become real if we spend time looking in the mirror? The NIV Bible says it like this. And we all who, were unveiled, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It is important that we see ourselves as a reflection of the beauty of the Lord, as one of his magnificent pieces of art. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So another word for workmanship is artistry or handiwork. So we need to think of ourselves as God's work of art. One thing that I've noticed is that I don't pay nearly enough attention to the way I live my life and the effect that I have on others. Do I consider my words and whether what I say and how I say it is edifying? Will it strengthen those with who I'm talking to or the other ones that just may hear it that are walking by? More than anything, our lives as Christians should be lives of joy. And this is a great gift that we've been given. We've been given the gift of redemption. We've been given the gift of salvation. We've been given the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we have been given the gift of being joint heirs with Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Growing in realization of this greatness of the gift leads us to a deep sense of gratitude. And that gratitude would permeate, or at least it should, permeate our every prayer. Prayer and gratitude is a key. And for by giving thanks to God in all things, in our suffering as well as our victories, highs and lows, 
We attune our hearts to the richness of God's mercy and his beautiful love. And with our hearts attuned, we're able to let our minds be filled with everything that's true, everything that's honorable, everything that's upright and pure, everything that we love and admire with whatever is good and praiseworthy, according to Philippians 4, 8. So the purity of heart opens us to receive a super abundance of God's grace so that the perfect joy of God becomes our natural disposition. It will simply radiate from within us. When this happens, we truly live up to our image of being God's work of art. Psalms 90:17 says, Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of thy hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. So what exactly is the beauty of the Lord? First Chronicles 16:29 reads, "Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness." The beauty of the Lord is the beauty of holiness. And the scripture tells us in the second half of Hebrews 12, 14, that holiness without no man shall see the Lord. So, a holy woman of God will strive to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And she will not only live the life of faith in him, but she will draw from him all his daily peace and strength. But she will also labor to have the mind that is in him and be conformed to his image, which is found in Romans 8.29. It will be her aim to bear with and forgive others as Christ forgave. It will be her aim to be unselfish, even as Christ pleased not himself. She will aim to walk in love, even as Christ loved, and she will... Aim to be lowly-minded and humble, even as Christ made himself of no reputation and humbled himself. A holy woman of God will follow after meekness, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, kind temperance, and govern her tongue. That's a hard one for a lot of us. We'd like to say what's on our mind. She will bear much, forbear much, overlook much, and be slow to talk. A holy woman of God will follow after charity, brotherly kindness. She will strive to follow the golden rule of doing unto others as she would have them do unto her. And to speak as she would have men and women speak unto her. She will treat others as well as their property, their characters, their feelings, their souls with respect. A holy woman of God will follow after the spirit of mercy and benevolence towards others. A holy woman will follow after humility. 
She will desire to esteem all others better than herself. We must be holy because this is the only sound evidence there we are the true children of God. Children of this world are generally like their parents. Like it or not, you pick up the traits of your parents, some of them good, some of them bad. And it's much the same thing when we are a children of God. We must show our lives to whom which family we belong. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 reads, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. First of all, this text tells us that we are chosen. We've not been randomly selected from a group of people over here, but we are God's very elect. The scripture tells us also that we are holy. And to be holy means we are set apart, we're to be special, we're to be uncommon. And we have been chosen by God to be set apart. Paraphrasing Philippians 2.15, we are to shine as lights, blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And if you've looked out your... In the community in which you live, you know that we are living in a crooked and twisted generation. And he's called us to shine like stars. Kind of like this. But we're spiritual stars, not looking like the world and physical stars. We are his beloved. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son to die for our sins. It also states that we are to clothe ourselves in these virtues. The image here is essentially that of a garment. The Bible speaks of our life and virtue in terms of a garment. And we're told here, as well as several other places in the Bible, that we are to be clothed in Christ, and in the beauty of holiness. So now that we know what the beauty of holiness consists of, the beauty of the Lord consists of holiness, how do we go about being clothed with this beauty of holiness? Just as we dress carefully on the outside, we also want to dress with care on the inside. Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul describes the contents of the total Christian woman's internal closet. The clothing that hangs inside is always perfect for every occasion. It's compassion, humility, patience, kindness, gentleness, and love. Love is the perfect accessory that matches all of these together perfectly. So I'd like to go through these 
one by one and expound on them a little bit, and I'll see where the time takes us because we're not going to get through the whole closet this morning. (laughs) You ladies, you know how long it takes you to weed through your closet. Well, we're going to start off with compassion. How many of you have seen commercials for Feed the Children or Animal Shelters? I saw the animal shelter last night when I just flipped it on just to be flipping it on. And seeing those children and those animals who are suffering, and then the music, the music that they put with it, it just tugs on our hearts. And their intention is for you to feel compassion and to financially respond. Compassion is a form of love, and it's aroused within us when we are confronted with those who suffer or those who are vulnerable. Compassion often produces action. So the Hebrew and Greek words sometimes translated compassion as also to bear a broader meaning, which meaning is to show pity, to show love, or to show mercy. And since compassionate acts flow from compassionate persons, we are not surprised to learn that compassion is part of God's very being. Exodus 34, 6 tells us that the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God. And this echoes throughout the entire Bible, this declaration. In Psalms 86, 15, we find, But thou, O Lord art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalms 145, 8 tells us, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord's compassion is extended to helpless crowds in Matthew 9, 36, to the sick of the multitudes in Matthew 14, 14, to the hungry people in Matthew 8, 2, to the leper in Mark 1, 41, and to the blind men in Matthew 20, 34, and the list could go on and on because he is full of compassion. The parable of the prodigal son found in Luke 15, the father is waiting, filled with compassion when he sees his wayward son returning home. Just as God has compassion on us and accepts us when we repent and we return back to him. We didn't do anything to deserve his love, but he wrapped us in his grace. And he invites us to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness. In kindness and compassion, we give a physical coat to someone in need. Hey, we may even listen to the fears and worries of someone who's hurting. And I know pastors' wives get their ears full. We may share a hug, pray a prayer of concern, or extend a gentle word of encouragement. I know in Bangladesh, we bless widows with a new sari and undergarments at Christmas, replacing the only outfit that they have on their back. We provide a free education to underprivileged children because if we didn't provide it, they wouldn't get it. There's no such thing as a free public education in Bangladesh. We provide rice to those who are literally starving to death. 
I know many of us say that we don't know what we want to eat tonight or, you know, we don't have anything in the house, but do we really know what it's like to starve and have nothing to eat in your house? Showing compassion seems like such a little thing, but to the recipient of that compassion, it means to the world to them to the, know that somebody cares about them. First Peter 3, 8 reminds us to be ye all of one mind, having compassion one for another. Kindness and compassion go together, and kindness is our second item of clothing in the closet. It's often a misunderstood virtue because our culture wants to define it as being nice or pleasant. But kindness goes much deeper than that. It speaks more on having a disposition that is well-suited, useful, or profitable to a given situation. It refers to a meeting real needs. Meet real needs. Paul lists kindness as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. It's an attribute of God, and it's a quality that is very desirable. It's mostly overlapping with a lot of other virtues, which you will find. And it's usually linked mostly with compassion. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7 reads, Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 tells us charity suffereth long, and is kind. Romans 12.10, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Another word for kindness is servanthood. Servanthood means that you're doing practical, loving acts for someone that needs it. Maybe visiting an elderly neighbor who was alone and cooking her a good meal that I know my father-in-law, he's going to be 94 years old. I take him food and you'd think that it was a million dollars. Maybe it's pitching in and cleaning up the kitchen after you have a woman's meeting at church. I'm putting in a plug for you, Kessie. Or deliberately taking another turn in the nursery, even though you don't have any kids and you already did your duty last week. Servanthood looks for the ways to do the things that are menial. A servant takes out the trash or pours water into a bowl and washes feet, just like Jesus did. Servanthood is helpful all the time, looking to bless looking to heal, looking to encourage the less fortunate. Thank you. Can you crack the seal? Thank you. (laughs) 
servanthood welcomes the opportunity to be a servant. Not only when it's voluntarily, but when it's not an option. Our next item is humility. How do you dress when you go to work? For everyday chores, we put on comfortable, casual clothes. For outdoor gardening, you dress appropriately. You put on work clothes, gloves, a hat, if you're smart. I usually don't put on the hat. We are likely to choose a little bit of the more business attire if we're going to work in the classroom or we're going to go to the office. And some people, it requires a uniform, like those who uh, work in uh, the military or their police officers, the nurses, the doctors. So as we dress each morning, we usually choose what we are going to wear based on what we plan to do for the day. We dress according to the type of work we plan to do. So in Philippians 2.8, we see the Lord's humility when he, when it says, Being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. On that night that the Lord died, he did not dress for work. He undressed. He removed his outer clothing, and he took a towel, and he took a basin of water. And that night, the disciples learned a lesson in humility as their Lord and Master washed their feet. And each day, the Lord asked us, as his dearly loved and chosen people, to clothe ourselves in humility. And that often requires that we remove some of the traits which we've often clothed ourselves in. We need to lay aside the pride, the selfishness, replacing those soiled outfits to focus on the needs of others. Humility may require that we roll up our sleeves and do tasks that others find distasteful. But we take on these duties that those around us find tedious and even sometimes demeaning. As we volunteer for assignments, we probably will go unnoticed and unrewarded. But as we work at each of them, we are reflecting the Savior in humility. Humility in today's society is often misunderstood to mean having a lowly estimation of yourself. But true humility is reverence for the truth of yourself. It helps us moderate ourselves from having too high an opinion of ourselves. It comes from comparing ourselves to him, not to you. Humility keeps one from being self-exalted, self-determined, and self-inflated. Humility and meekness are often inseparable, as we find in Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, humility 
is, a nece- is necessary to enter into God's kingdom. Humility is intimately associated with the fear of the Lord, as we find in Proverbs 15.33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 16.18-19 states, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with, a, with the lowly, than to divide the spoil with the proud. The Lord gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud, as we find in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. He exalts the humble, and he rewards the humble with wisdom in Proverbs 11.2. The next item in our closet is gentleness. Gentleness is sensitive sensitivity of disposition and kindness of behavior found in strength and prompted in love. Gentleness is a willingness to yield. Paul appeals to the believers by the meekness and gentleness of Christ in 2 Corinthians 10.1. 2 Timothy 2.24 admonishes us, the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Ephesians 4.2 encourages to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Much of the clothing that we buy nowadays is designed to be wash and wear. Thank God. We pull out an outfit from the dryer, and usually if you shake it just a little bit, you know, you can uh, put it on and head out the door. It's wrinkle-free. But if that was the whole story with when it comes to laundry, then I am thinking that everyone in this building would be ecstatic. But unfortunately, clothes have to be sorted, and stains have to be treated. We have to replace buttons. We have to get stubborn wrinkles ironed out. And after all that's said and done, we have to fold the clothes and put them away. Well, each morning, as we put on Christ, he invites us to live a life worthy of his calling We sort through our spiritual clothing that the Lord has hung in our closet, clothing that belongs to that calling. And day by day, as a child of God, we put on qualities that reflect his high calling that he has given us. That that clothing includes gentleness and patience, traits that are not always easy to display. In fact, many days, perhaps most days, We notice that by the end of the day, we have soiled and spoiled the outfit that God has given us. We're not always patient. We're not always gentle. We are often just the opposite, harsh and demanding. We stand in the checkout line, tapping our foot and wondering why the clerk is moving so slowly. We honk our horn at the pokey driver in front of us hoping that they will speed up or move over. 
We snap at an aging parent. We scold our little awkward toddler that's just trying to grow up. No matter what we have done, the Lord never barges into our lives demanding his wardrobe back. Instead, he responds to our tattered behaviors with gentleness. He remembers that we are a work in progress, his work in progress. He's so ever patient. And as we remember and receive his pardon, he hangs a fresh, clean change of clothing in our spiritual closet, preparing us for tomorrow. Then, realizing and experiences Jesus' gentleness and patience, we're able to help those around us sort through all their challenges of life. We can meet their needs in the gentleness we ourselves have received, and they too can experience God's love. And with that, Sister Pruitt, I am going to let us leave the bedroom closet alone, and we will come back after lunch.